but I want to talk to you today about adulting is hard. This is the third week in this series, and I heard a lot of grunts and groans, so I believe that you're with me on that, right? right? Adulting is hard. Adulting is really hard. But, you know, we, we put out those little cards that are out there. They're about this big, and they say they have that, that uh, symbol on there that says adulting is hard. And my wife put one of those in her purse where she had to take my kids to go get their flu shots, six and a three-year-old. So she takes them, and, and Gray, the, the three-year-old, he gets shot first. <laughs> And he starts crying and whining. And uh, actually, I'm sorry, it was Eden. Eden got shot first. And, and then Gray was messing around in, in Britt's purse, my wife. And he pulls something out and then he gets stuck and he's crying. So they're both screaming. And my wife takes out of his hand what he had. It was the card that said, Adulting is hard. So she's got two screaming kids next to her. And she's just like this, holding that card at the nurse. The nurse is cracking up laughing. My wife's like, this is actually a series at our church that we're doing, you know, but, but we feel that struggle. Adulting is hard. It is very hard. But we have a couple memes that we wanted to show you here that have been floating around the internet that just really tell us kind of what that feels like. First one says this, being an adult is pretty easy. You just feel tired all the time and tell people about how tired you are and then they tell you how tired they are. It's a lot of fun. You know, I, I got to talk with our district superintendent for, for our district for the Assemblies of God on Tuesday, and I was talking to him, and right, right in the middle of our conversation, I said, you know, Don, how are you sleeping? It's like really random. He's like, that's weird you asked that. I said, yeah, it is kind of weird, I guess. Like, that, that was what I was, and he's like, terrible. <laughs> it was one of those things, we just started that conversation. But look at this next one here. How's it all been going? Well, I turned on the wrong burner and I've been cooking nothing for about 20 minutes. I mean, I just feel that way. I mean, it, it, how many times, uh, this is me all the time, I've got my phone out and I'm talking to somebody and I'm busy going to the car, going to my room, going to the kitchen. I'm looking for my phone. Where is my phone? And you're talking to them the entire time. Happened to me plenty of times. The next one says this. Sometimes I shock myself with the smart stuff I say and do. Then there's times when I try and get out of the car with my seatbelt on. You know, that feeling of just trying to get out of the car? I, uh, I have a short Honda Civic, and for some reason, no matter what, I hit my head. Being a tall guy, you'd think I would learn by now. Every single time, hitting my head. And I'll be honest, I hit my son's head sometimes as I try to put him, put him in the car. But it's that thing, you know, I should have learned by now. But how about this last one? I've decided I no longer want to be an adult. If anyone needs me, I'll be in my blanket fort coloring. There's something special, though, about, about being a kid. You know, going down those water slides was so much fun with my daughter. And, uh, and I, I'm be brutally honest, it hurt my back fat a little bit <laughs> going down those water slides. But, but there was some, like, jolt, this, this encouragement and this fun that I had in flying down those water slides. And now the size that I am, I'll talk about flying down those water slides. But as you're a kid, you always get that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? I uh, had a little thing, my son's three, like I said, and I had a little sheet that we had to fill out for his preschool, and, it, and that was one of the questions. I said, well, Gray, what do you want to be when you grow up? The big bad wolf? <laughs> and well, it makes sense. But it just, it's just so fun to, to just have that, that dream in your heart, right? When I was growing up, I actually wanted to be an archeologist at first. I want to be an archaeologist, and the main reason was because I wanted to dig up dinosaur bones. I thought, how cool would it be for me to find a dinosaur bone out there and be able to dig that up and 
Actually, I had dinosaur sheets on my bed until I was 19 years old. And I was still cool, I'll tell you that. And, and if it wasn't for my wife, I'd probably still have dinosaur sheets, <laughs> dinosaur sheets on my bed. But there's something that's powerful about our dreams just being so big, so big. Then it feels like sometimes we hit adulthood, we, we get to these unmet expectations, right? I mean, adulting is hard. Maybe you're not married yet. Maybe you're widowed. You're not able to have kids, divorced, a mundane job, a crazy family, sickness or death of loved ones. Maybe you don't have any money. But you thought you'd be somewhere, and now all of a sudden you're at this place where you're like, what happened to life, right? What happened? You know, as I'm, I'm a young whippersnapper of 32 years of age, but as I get older, I realize, like, when you're young, you're, you're growing up, and how many of us here, our kids go, like, I can't wait until, you know, they, you just want life to speed up. Come on, life, speed up. I just want to get there. And then you kind of hit that point where you crest, and you're like, whoa, 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 life, slow down, <laughs> slow down, right? It, it feels like it's just falling too fast. And everybody that's elderly would say, you look back on life, and you say, the time with your kids, spend it. Spend those times with your family around the Thanksgiving table. Yeah, it's crazy. But you know what? Five minutes of crazy is an awesome memory. <laughs> because God is faithful even in those times. You know, it's in Ecclesiastes that, uh, and don't worry about turning there. We're going to be turning to Genesis. But in Ecclesiastes, it's King Solomon, who's basically talking about life. And he's at the end of life whenever he's writing this. And if you read through it, I mean, it looks pretty bleak. The second verse says, meaningless, meaningless. <laughs> and he says that life is like chasing the wind. You know, like you're trying to grab hold of something that's not even there, and you're constantly chasing it. And all throughout Ecclesiastes, it, you know, the, the subheadings say like, wisdom, meaningless. Toil, meaningless. You know, he just, it's like, wow, that doesn't feel too good, you know? Yeah. He, the wisest guy other than Jesus to grace this earth. But there's something that I have for you. It's a word of grace. And it's Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything. And a season, get that, a season for every activity under the heavens. Here's the word of grace. What you're going through now will not last forever. It won't last forever. Now here's a word of truth for you. What you're going through now will not last forever. Whether you're in a good season, it may not last forever. Maybe you're in a tough season, it may not last forever. That's what King Solomon's saying, like, hey, get hold of this. Here, here's a big part of life. And he begins to go through, he said, there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time for rejoicing, there's a time for mourning. And he just goes back and forth in all these different areas of life. And I mean, that's what our lives feel like sometimes. It just feels like we're, we're caught up in a season. And life is full of seasons. You know, we're moving into the winter season now, and very quickly, <laughs> as I may add. But we have, you know, the fall leaves that came down. And, and sometimes you're in a spring season. Sometimes things are sprouting up, and it looks great, and life is going grand. And you can skip to my loo, my darling. You know, it just feels like nothing can get you. And then you hit summer, and the heat starts to hit you. And then fall, and you get that harvest, right? You could just, there's abundance and all these other things that we think about. Then you hit the winter season. 
And sometimes that's how it feels like in, in life. And if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to get today. The key to adulting is understanding and appreciating the seasons. Understanding and appreciating the seasons. I get it, you look at me like, you 32-year-old, what do you know? But I know a lot because I've been through a lot of seasons already in my life. But I, I look around and I see our community and I see our young people and I see our culture and it just looks like so many people are being blown around and just existing. How many times do you hear that? Like, I just feel like I'm just existing. I feel like I'm, I, I'm just floating around and, and people are getting blown around by the wind and, the, and all the things that come with every season. And it's almost like they're that leaf, you know, one of those dry leaves that's out there and it gets blown around all over the place. Then winter hits, right? And all that snow piles up on the leaf. And then once that piles up, Spring comes, but you're busy decomposing, right? God didn't call us to be that way. In fact, Jesus said, I chose you and I appointed you that you may go and bear fruit, not a leaf, fruit, fruit that will last. What happens to a seed or a fruit? Fruit drops and it spreads its seeds. And then, you know, winter does come. It still comes on the on the seed just as much as it comes on the leaf, but when the, when the winter is there and it's so heavy and what ends up happening is it pushes it down into the soil and then a root system starts to grow. That's what God has called us to. We're not supposed to be a leaf just being blown here and there and everywhere. But if I think about scripture in Genesis, very first page, first chapter, we see what? God... Turn on the lights. He turned on the lights. You know what? Light gives us vision. Light gives us vision. You know what? Light gives us revelation. Light gives us revelation. We're, we're supposed to have vision for where our life is going. We, we need revelation, and we can go through the process of every single day in, in Genesis and look at basically a process for our life and what happens to our lives, but the first thing you need is a vision. You know, the... the the Bible actually says that where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, no direction, no guide, the people perish. And, and we quote that. You know, as a connections pastor, I look around at the different churches. I really get excited to go to our district events and things like that because I want to know what other churches are doing. I want to see how they're doing things. And not because, I mean, our church is going to be unique. It's unique for our community and everything. But I want to say, how, how do I connect people? How do we get people involved in all these different areas and so I, I, I study the health of the church. I study the health of the church. You know, it was interesting. I found that in the Assemblies of God within just the United States, we planted 300 churches between 2016 and 2017. 300 churches. But, but 319 died the first time since keeping records in 1965. Why is that? They lost their vision. Churches lose their vision. Now, now we just saw a stat come out that said that the Assemblies of God is, has, plants a church every 137 minutes. There's a church planted around the world. And that, that number that I gave you, yes, it, it's 19 less, but 
the people and the numbers, the, the salvations and the spirit baptisms, those are all growing. Those are all continuing to grow, but there's something that happens at the church level where they die. And it's a lack of vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Now I want to show you that verse in the NIV translation. NIV actually says it this way in Proverbs 29. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. People cast off restraint. You know, we could look at it in terms of the people and, and the church, and we like to quote that verse and say that. But honestly, it's for our individual lives. If we don't have vision, we have no restraint. There's nothing guiding us. There's no source. All of a sudden, we're being blown to and fro, and the seasons come, and the seasons go, and we have no idea where we are. All of a sudden, we're in a place where we're like, where are we? What is going on? And we feel like that in our seasons. There's a study that shows that, that peak happiness happens. Now, this isn't a study. A peak happiness in our lives happens around age 18 and around age 82. 18 and 82 are our peak happiness moments. Well, the mean of that, the average in the middle, is 46. And it just so happens that that's the, the age of unhappiness. And why that is, is that's a midlife crisis. That's what, that's what that is. I mean, it's literally people that they don't, all of a sudden they're at this place where they don't know what they wanted, they don't know where they're going. They're, it's that feeling that you've been hit by all these seasons. Now, when you think about vision, I want you to turn to, to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, and you'll see there that even my heading says Joseph's dreams. We're going to talk today a little bit about Joseph because Joseph had vision. Joseph was a dreamer. You know, in the beginning, it says that he was 17 years old when he had a vision. 17 years old. What's incredible about Genesis is that that we get an account of creation in Genesis. It's about a page and a half. The whole half, second half of Genesis is about Joseph's life. We see more snapshots of his life than about anybody else in the Bible, even including Jesus. We see so many, but the good thing about that is we see all the seasons of his life. We see all the issues and all the things that happened in his life and what he went through. But let's look at verse five in chapter 37. It said, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood up while your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down. Then down in verse 9, it says this. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He had a dream. He had a vision for his life. Didn't know what it all meant yet, but he had a vision and he starts sharing with his brothers. Are you kidding me? I'm not bowing down to you. And You know, if, I'll, I'll give you two, two ways to know if what you have is a God-sized vision. Number one, it is so big that there's no way you can say it was me. There's no way. You know, I, I think a lot of times that's why young people in the church end up leaving by the time they start to get into adulthood is because they've never actually seen a church or seen anybody that had God-sized dreams and saw God move in that circumstance. A lot of times we set a vision or we set a goal and the goal is only about here and then you can say you did it in your own power. And I could say, honestly, 
I did that myself. There was nothing that God had to take part in in my life in order for that to come true. The second thing is, if your vision only includes yourself, it's much too small. Any vision that we see in the Bible, any vision that God puts in our hearts, we know it's a vision from God because it's bigger than us, because it involves more people than us. That's who he is. That's how, as we sang this song, that he lives in 99 to go after the one. I mean, he... He wants us to, to have that, that community. We need to be doing things with that God-sized dream, that God-sized vision. You know, it's funny, I, and I've shared this testimony before, but when I was in a season in my life where I was really discouraged, I just wasn't happy with where I was at. Uh, I was working for, for a company where I was just sitting at a desk a lot during the day, and, and if you know me, that is not me. And just sitting, reading my Bible for the first time in my life, I was digging in and I was going after it and saying, God, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing for my life? And, and I remember the one day I was sitting, I had my Bible open and I'm looking at it, I'm reading at it. I'm there before anybody else gets there that day. And I'm reading scripture and all of a sudden God speaks to my heart and he says, encourage and edify. Oh man, it was like, it was like something hit my chest. The only way I can describe when God speaks to you like that is it's louder than audible. Because it's in your spirit. You, you just feel it. And it's so intense. So right away, what I do, I call up my wife and I'm like, honey. And I hear that at that time we only had my daughter Eden and I hear crying in the background and she's trying to deal with her. Honey, guess what? I figured out what I'm going to do with my life. And she goes, what? And I said, encourage and edify. She goes, what? You called me for that. What does that mean? I said, I don't know, but that's what I'm going to do with my life. And, and I, it's just that thing that was in my heart. Thank goodness she didn't kill me and throw me into a cistern like, <laughs> like the brothers were thinking about down here, right? But sometimes there's that situation in our lives where we have God speak something to our hearts and we don't know exactly what it means. And, and I think one of the problems is we need to learn to do what to do with the seed in the right season. We need to know what to do with the seed in the right season. If we go down further... In verse 19, it says, this is his brothers talking. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. That's his brothers talking. They ended up selling him for 20 shekels. I I researched that and actually a slave's worth was 30 shekels actually sold him for less than a slave's worth. But you can't let other people decide your value. There's no amount of likes, there's no amount of follows that can give you your value in life. And if you're in a season of difficulty and stuff, do not look to the right and to the left to see your value and to see what God has for you. So we see that happening to Joseph, right? I think, I think a lot of times people get stuck in a season because they're too worried about somebody else's choices. They're too worried about what somebody else is doing and what somebody else says about them that they're not focused on their vision. And people begin to lack clarity. They, they begin to lack direction. They lack vision. They lack revelation of who God is because they're looking all over the place and watching the choices of other people when we ourselves are free to choose. We're free to choose. So then Joseph, it goes on to say that Joseph gets sold to Potiphar. So he gets sold in as a slave, and then he gets sold as a slave to Potiphar, who's one of Pharaoh's officials. But 
What's awesome about that situation is that he finds favor. You know, even in this in the season that you're in, God can give you favor. In fact, he is put in charge. Even though he's still a slave, he's put in charge of Potiphar's house and he's able to, to do what he needs to do. And there, Joseph starts to think, all right, this is it. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm moving up, I'm moving up. But then Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's wife wrongly accuses him. She wants him to have sex with her and he runs and he gets wrongly accused and then he gets thrown in prison. He gets thrown in prison? That's not fair. <laughs> he was already sold as a slave. Have you ever thought you were moving out of one season and into another? Like it feels like, okay, I, I'm, I've gotten through winter now. It's time for spring to come, right? It, it's time for the season to change. And you feel like you're moving out. And then the next winter storm hits. And it's April. And you're like, that, this isn't the time for storms. This should not have hit right now. There was a day that, I, and I don't want to be too graphic, but my son, he was, he was still in a high chair, and he started up chucking. He started throwing up, and it was all over him. It was all over the high chair. So I took him out of the high chair. He's still going. I'm holding him like this. My wife takes the high chair and goes outside, and she, she grabs the hose to try, try to spray off the high chair, and he's still going inside. And all of a sudden, my, my wife bangs on the window. Like, what, honey? And he's like, She's like, something's wrong with the hose. And I see, and I'm like, no, 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 turn off the hose, turn off the hose. I go downstairs with him, still going to basement flooding. Um, no! <laughs> like, so I'm, I'm freaking out about this, and I go back upstairs, and I go up to my father-in-law's house, and I go and I get the shop back out of the back of his plumbing truck. So I'm all frustrated already, and I'm getting off the back of the plumbing truck, and I try to put it down, and I slip crush my back right in down the center, right on the end of the bar. Oh, it hurts so bad. Like, I, 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 if you say seeing stars, like, I actually laid in the pile, in the stones for a while. I just laid there, and I remember it was drizzling, because in those moments, you just remember everything. You're like, oh my gosh, feeling that pain, and, and, and I, I laid there for a while. I mean, it was probably a good five minutes, just, just uncomfortable, and then... I get back to the house and I get everything cleaned up and I fix the pipe and everything that's going on. And, and then I woke up the next morning. I thought, all right, God, your mercies are new every morning, right? Mercies are new. Well, I go up to my father-in-law's to go mow his yard and I get on the mower and I start driving around and right around the, the wood pile, the burn pile, I get there and all of a sudden I see something shoot out from underneath and like a piece of a dollar bill. That's weird. I keep going, all of a sudden I see something else shoot off. A piece of my debit card. I am mowing over my wallet over and over and over again. For real, you know? It was one of those moments I got off the mower, I shut it off, and I actually, this is literally what I look like. I look literally like this, and I'm holding it, and I'm laughing. Oh, just laughing out loud. I call my wife. We're both laughing together. I probably look like a crazy person, you know? I'm like, really? Out of everything, this is what happens. It's one of those things. And You know, it, there's a study that shows one in three U.S. adults say they would panic if their phone stopped working. One in three adults would actually panic if their phone stopped working. I mean, how does that show how we deal with difficult seasons and difficult situations in our lives, right? That's, that's not very good. Well, you, you want to talk about a bad day? Look in the book of Job. I, 
guy had the worst day ever. In fact, in the beginning, it says that Job was, was righteous. He, he was blameless. The, the, the fact that God was like, man, this guy is awesome. He's just doing things right. He's just, and then Satan comes up and says, yeah, he's doing things right because you bless him. He's doing things right because you give him great seasons and stuff. Like everything's going well for him. Like, try taking all that away. But God says, I'll show you, Satan. Okay. God lifts his hand for a moment. Job, this is what all that happens. One of his servants comes to him and says, Someone came and took all your hundreds of oxen and donkeys and killed all your servants. Oh my goodness. Like, Next servant walks in. Fire fell and burned up thousands of sheep and the servants that were taking care of those sheep. The weight starts to hit. Number three, more people came down and took all your thousands of camel and killed your servants. Every, all of his earthly things that he had, gone. But then number four, mighty wind came and collapsed the house on all of his sons and daughters. Every one of his kids, gone. In one day, servants are coming to him and he's, he's torn up. He is torn up. On days like that that I, I like to go in and read Job, just make me feel better about myself, you know? <laughs> okay, I feel better. It wasn't that bad, right? But there's something that Job says in Job 1.22 that's very powerful. That it says, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. There are too many of us that are charging God with the wrongdoing. There are too many of us that get in that season and suddenly it's God's fault, right? It's God's fault. He doesn't see me. He doesn't know me. And we get frustrated. We get upset. In fact, great friends that he has and, and, and his wife, his wife actually says, curse God and die. <laughs> curse God and die, you know? Job says this in Job 2.10. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. He's basically saying, like, aren't I supposed to accept everything that's thrown my way? Like, God, God, I know God. I'm doing what he's called me to do. Then, then he's got friends. Great, get this. He's got friends that try to come and console him, and they're telling him, they're trying to find a reason, Right? They're trying to find a reason why this is happening to you. There's got to be sin in your life, man. Man, there's got to be sin in your life. You're messed up. Something's screwed up. And they start talking to him and telling him all these issues and saying, like, you must have done something wrong. And, and God must not like you, you know. You got all those people like, like whispering in your ear, trying to explain away Job's situation. How many times in a season that we're in, we're trying to explain away God, right? Trying to find a reason. God, why are you doing this? Why, what's the reason behind this? And sometimes we're trying to look for reason when what we really need is a revelation. That's how, absolutely what happens with Job. You know, I think a lot of people leave the, young people leave the faith because the, the first time that a season of trouble hits them, they're not ready. They're not ready for it. 
First thing that they can't explain, you know, our colleges, we would love to explain away things and, and be able to reason it out. There was no reason. But what God does in those situations is he gives us a revelation. Job gets an intense revelation of who God is. Who he is, that's the vision that he gets. That's the revelation that he gets. It says in Job 42, 5, he says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. A lot of us, our ears have heard about God. Our, our ears uh, think we know about God until we see him, until we have vision, until we have revelation of who he is and what he's doing in the storm. And that's what we need in our lives. That's when all those difficult seasons, when the winter comes and things get heavy and the snow hits, you can be the seed that's sprouting the roots, getting ready for spring. It can happen in your life. You know God's purpose was still intact for Job? Satan can come and try and do what he wants, but God has the victory every time. God has the victory. His purpose is still intact for your life. Sometimes we need to go back and get a vision again. We need a vision from God to know where we're going and where he's taking us. You know, it's funny, I always, you always think you know what God's doing. When I first uh, got into ministry and, and knew that God was calling me into ministry, God really put on my heart the book of Nehemiah. And if you read Nehemiah, Nehemiah ends up going back and rebuilding the walls Rebuilding the walls, and it's an incredible story, and they rebuild the walls in 52 days, what actually was over a century of them not being there. It's an incredible story. And so I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, God, I get this. I'm going to rebuild the, wall, the spiritual walls where I'm at. So I think that's what God's doing, right? Then I come here, and I rebuilt physical walls. <laughs> this didn't look like this when I got here. I actually began to build walls. I started looking back, God, you are so humorous, right? God, how incredible are you? Sometimes there's those things, again, it's what to do with the seed in the right season. What to do with the seed. Sometimes there's times where you just put it in your back pocket. Just put it in your back pocket and just say, God, I know that was from you, but I don't know where it fits yet. Let me be honest with you here, because this is one that I don't know the answer for. I woke up in the middle of the night just recently, probably about two months ago, and it was like 2.30 in the morning. Well, when I wake up, then my wife woke up, and then we're talking, it's 2.30 in the morning, and in the middle of conversation, we're having a conversation, mind you, like she's talking to me, and I hear God speak to my heart and say, Amos. <laughs> and again, the only way I can describe it is like, it was so deep inside, it was like louder than, than sound. I said, that was weird. My wife's like, what? I said, I think the Lord just spoke to me. And she goes, well, I was speaking to you. <laughs> and I said, no, like, he, he, he said, Amos. Do we know anybody named Amos? And she goes, no, we don't know anybody named Amos. And I'm like, well, that's strange. So I said, wait a minute, there's a book of the Bible. You know, 2.30 in the morning, your brain's like mush. There's a book of the Bible, Amos, right, hon? And she goes, yeah, yeah. So I open up the book of Amos. I read through it. You've ever read the book of Amos? <laughs> it's not an exciting book to read. But I, I read through the book of Amos. I read through it like five or six times. I still, I'm just being brutally honest with you, I still don't know what that means. But it's one of those things I knew God speak, spoke to me and I put it in my back pocket. I'm waiting for the seed in the right season, knowing what to do with that 
So if we go back to, to Joseph's story, though, actually, no, let's go to Philippians because it's Thanksgiving. We got to read this verse. Philippians 4.12. Philippians 4.12 says this. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. That's a great Thanksgiving message, right? Like, no matter what you have, you can be content. And it's great. That's what the Apostle Paul is telling the church in Philippi about in this situation, that word content, it actually means abundance. It actually means like overflow. So it's not just like, eh, I'm good enough with this content. It's, it's like, I, I've got enough. I've got plenty. There's an overflow. There's an abundance. It's coming from within. But what we tend to skim over is the fact that it says, I have learned. I have learned the secret. Where's Paul writing this from? Jail. He, it's not like the Damascus Road moment where he's struck and he falls and then God all of a sudden imparts to him like knowing what it looks like to be content in all circumstances. He learned it. You know how he learned it? He got stoned. <laughs> he got put in jail. He got drugged out of town and left for dead. There were people that, that ostracized him and pushed him away. Even within the Christian faith, there's people that didn't like or agree with some of the things that he was saying. And man, he had it tough. It's not until that he's in a prison that he's telling them, hey, I have learned through the seasons to be content. You know, I've learned through my seasons. I felt like this past year, I felt like we were coming out of a winter season. I thought spring was coming. And then in March, we found out that my wife had breast cancer. It's one of those situations where you're like, really? I'm doing everything you're calling me to do. This. I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm being obedient to you. Sometimes it feels like we're moving into to that next season. But Joe, could you put up that picture for me? That, that day when we had the biopsy, and we found out that my wife had cancer, I took this picture I was actually supposed to uh, preach that Sunday, and then we had Brother Ron here preach for me so that I could sit with my wife on that Sunday. But our series was, this is blank story. What Ron was preaching on was, this is my story. And I took that picture. It's a vision, it's a revelation from God. I'm gonna have a story to tell. I'm going to have a story to tell. I know I'm moving into deep winter here. But one way or the other, God is going to get the glory. He's going to receive what, what he deserves out of it. And let me tell you, God answers prayers even in the winter seasons. He's faithful then just as much as he is in the good seasons. He's answering prayers in our lives that, we, that honestly may not have been possible without the situation that we're in. He's the God of the impossible. He will take the season that you're in and he will make it fruitful. He will give you favor in that season. He'll give you favor. So if we go back to, the, to Genesis here, Joseph finds himself in prison and there's two guys that come to him. They end up having these dreams. Oh, well, here's Joseph again thinking, all right, here's my chance. 
I already tried this, but all right, here's my chance. These guys come to him, and Joseph now, he's getting good with understanding vision and dreams and knowing what to do. And, and then this, the cupbearer and the, the baker, it is, they come to him, and they ask him about these dreams, and he tells them about it, and he says to the one guy, he says, remember me when you get out. What happens? Doesn't remember him. He sits still in jail. Still in jail. Then Pharaoh has a dream. Pharaoh, king of the land, person in charge of everything, has a dream. He goes to everybody. He's trying to figure out, can somebody, I, I know that this is a dream that has purpose and meaning, and he says, can somebody please help me figure this out? No one in all the land can figure it out. But then the cup remembers. There was a guy, Joseph, in his tough season, remembering the favor of that Joseph, there was a guy, Joseph, who can interpret dreams. So Joseph comes, says, you know, I can't, but my God will. My God will help me interpret this dream. And that's what happens. Pharaoh shares his, shares his dream with him. And he says, you know what that means? That means there's going to be a season of abundance, seven years of abundance. And then there's going to be seven years of intense famine. And Pharaoh is so excited that somebody actually figured this out that he puts him in charge of the land. He puts him in charge of everything. He said, since you figured this out, because Joseph actually even figures out what to do. He said, you know, in the season of abundance, because he's learning to do with, what to do with the seed, right? He's learned now what to do with the seed. Okay, there's going to be a season of abundance. In your season of abundance, begin to store away what you need to store away. And what ends up happening is he, he come, becomes in charge of all the land. And, and Pharaoh says, you're in charge of everything. The only reason why I'm above you is because I'm the king, because I'm Pharaoh. So we've, we see in, in Genesis 41, 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. Remember what I said. He was 17 when he first had this vision. 17 when he first had the vision. Now he's beginning to understand what to do with the seed in the right season. So he becomes a ruler over Egypt. 13 years that it took for that to happen. For something to become all God wants it to be, it's going to take years. It's going to take a process of many seasons. We have to understand that. We have to understand and appreciate the seasons. Can God move miraculously? I believe he can. I believe in a moment that he could heal me of sickness. He could heal my wife at any moment. Like there, Our God can do those things. He can and he does do those things. But sometimes there's a process. There's a, a, a process of seasons that we have to rotate through so that we can really become all God has for us. And understanding and appreciating that is so key to what God has for our lives. So even still, though, Seven years of abundance come, and it's incredible. It's awesome that the fact that he's, he's got all this abundance, and then the years of famine do come. Because even though that vision was fulfilled, the years of famine do come. So it was over seven more years later until his brothers and his dad actually come back to him. 
So by this time, let's think he's at least over 37 years old. Vision at 17, he's over 37 years old at this point. Instead of having a midlife crisis, <laughs> he's on top. In this moment, and we see again, there's more chapters to his story, but he goes through all these seasons and, and now his brothers come to him and they do, they bow down and, and he sees a fulfillment of the vision that God had for him. But what happens throughout his story, it says the Lord was with him. His presence was there. He was always giving him revelation, giving him vision, giving him direction, even in the midst of the storm. Even in the midst of the storm. Just like my picture. God can give you that picture. He can give you that revelation. And I believe that that's what a lot of our people need, whether in the church or out of the church. They lack direction. They lack vision. They, they lack revelation from God seeing who he is and what he has for us in front of us. God is faithful. I, uh, and I, I, I don't say this because I believe I have a prophetic word for you. And it's not for everybody. And I don't say that willy-nilly. Like that's not something you really want to throw around to say that I have something for you. But I believe that somebody needs to hear this today. I want to read to you the names of Joseph's kids, his two sons. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. Now what's Manasseh mean? And he tells us, it's because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Some people have lost their direction. They've lost their vision. They've become a leaf instead of a seed because they're holding on to the past. Manasseh actually means forget. He finally puts everything behind him. There's some of us that are holding on to regret. We're holding on to unforgiveness. You know, God, God and we're wondering, well, God, why aren't you moving me forward? Why aren't I going? I have a vision from you or I've had visions from you, God, and, and you're not moving me forward. What's going on? It's because he wants us to put some things in the past. There are things that we hold on to that we can't get through this season by still holding on to it. Let it go. We have to let it go. And I also have another uh, prophetic word for you. And this is his second son's name, Ephraim. He says what Ephraim means. It's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Ephraim means twice fruitful. I think sometimes we get into a season and we don't realize that God can still make you fruitful in this season. God can make me fruitful in my winter, what I perceive as winter anyway. <laughs> but I believe that some of you need to hear that. You can be fruitful in the season that you're in. It might not even make sense, but he can do it. He can make you fruitful. You know why I know this? Because of my two favorite verses in the Bible. 
Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. This is what it says. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It doesn't matter what the season is. When you are planted and you are rooted by the living water of Jesus Christ, you will be fruitful. I don't care your season. I can confidently say that from the platform because the word of God says that. You can still be fruitful in this season. Some of you have counted yourselves out for way too long and maybe it's for a word for somebody on Facebook. I don't know. Even if it's for one person, I believe the Lord gave me those two names and wants me to expound on that for a second and just say, he can make you forget that you can forget the past. You can drop it off, leave it go. Or even in the season you're in, he can make you fruitful. In fact, he can make you twice fruitful. That's how good our God is. But it only happens when we are rooted, when we are getting our nourishment from the living water of Jesus Christ. You know who else had vision in the Bible? Jesus. Why do I say that? Because it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know what the joy was? You. You were his joy. That's why he went there. That's why he endured the cross was for me, was for you. Talk about vision. I mean, all the stuff he went through, he went through the most brutal death ever recorded. I mean, it is the worst thing that you could ever think of, a crucifixion. But there was joy set before him. There was vision. I mean, when we look at Jesus' life, we just see him locked on. Things would happen, fruitful, fruitful, fruitful. Right? And he did that for us. That's how incredible our God is. That's how faithful he is. So the key to adulting, yes, adulting is hard. I agree with you 100%. I am there. But I've begun to understand and appreciate the seasons in my life. And I believe if you can do that too, if you can begin to put your roots down in, become the seed. Don't be a leaf anymore. Don't be blown to and fro by the wind. Don't let every season blow you away. Storms will come, you will get shaken, but you will have a solid foundation that can't be stopped if it's in Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads? I wanna pray for you this morning. God, thank you so much for the word that you've imparted on us today. God, for those right now that are lacking vision. I ask, Lord, that you show yourself in an incredible way in their lives. God, for those that need revelation of who you are in this season, I know, Lord, that you will show up. God, I thank you for your faithfulness in any season. I thank you, Lord, for your favor in any season. God, we're moving into a season of thanksgiving. 
But after that, Lord, we're moving into Christmas. You came for us. You died for us. You were buried, but you rose again for us. So God, I just thank you for the cross. I thank you, Lord, that you endured the cross for me, the joy set before you. And God, for those that are still struggling right now in a season, I pray the Manasseh spirit be upon them that they are able to forget the past, to leave go of the things that, Lord, you don't want them to hold on to anymore. God, in the Ephraim, God, I pray that you make them fruitful in this season. I believe, Lord, that this church can be so fruitful that it becomes a season of abundance, a season of overflow. In Jesus' name. I want to do something here for a minute. I'm going to take one good solid minute. We're just going to have the music play for a moment. And I just want you, like I can share about vision from here. I can share my stories for you. But let me tell you, my stories only happened when it was me and God. Yes, the people speak prophetic words over me. Yes, God, God has done incredible things. But the real vision for my life, taking hold of the revelation of what he has me in. And it doesn't matter your age. You can still get a revelation from God for something that he wants you to accomplish for his kingdom. We're just going to take one minute here. We're just going to let the music play. Let's just take some silent time. Let's talk to him for a second. Yeah. Uh... 